Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ages ago, when my father was still racing small sailboats, he did a number of races that took multiple days. So he and the crew would have to spend at least one night on the water. One particular race had started under nasty weather conditions that quieted down to light fog in the evening. My dad and the crew were exhausted and looking forward to taking turns getting some well-needed sleep. My dad's buddy took the first watch on deck while the rest of them went to bed. It seemed like only minutes had passed when the guy on watch shook my dad awake. You have to see this, you have to tell me I'm not crazy, was all his buddy would say. Now pretty spooked, my dad went up on deck to see what had scared his friend so much. The guy pointed into the dark fog. And suddenly my dad saw a pair of glowing eyes. They turned this way and that, like a creature lazily looking around. Sometimes it would look away but it would eventually turn back to gaze in their direction. For a moment dad thought it must be some bizarre kind of lighted buoy, but the movement pattern was completely random, and the eyes were moving up and down completely at odds with the movement of the waves. And it was getting closer. Confused, exhausted, and now pretty damn concerned, my dad woke the rest of the crew and brought everybody up to see this. Thing. Yep, everybody saw it but nobody could identify it as anything other than eyes. The movement was so eerie, and it was approaching pretty fast. As it swam closer it was clear that whatever it was, it was enormous. Now everyone was starting to freak out. 
Dad had no idea what to do except to try to move out of its way, but the damn monster kept moving around. The crew finally determined its rough path and altered course to avoid it. It was getting very close now. They could hear the rush of water around its bulk, and a strange groaning and hissing. It was getting closer, and closer. Blat! Everyone's heart stopped when the horn shattered the night. Suddenly they saw dim navigation lights through the fog. And realized the monster was riding a big-ass barge. They watched in silence as the bulk of the barge materialized. As it passed alongside, they realized it was carrying a load of garbage. And there was a little bulldozer driving around pushing the garbage into tidy piles. The monster's eyes were the headlights moving around, climbing up and down the mounds and circling around the deck. They were pretty relieved, but then dad realized that they had basically almost run into a giant barge. So nobody got much sleep that night as they kept watch for more monsters in the fog. Back in August 2006 I was 20 years old and working in a deli near my house. While I also attended a community college nearby. I remember it was a warm summer night and I was working till close. Which was 7 pm and at the time it was around 6.30 pm. The only two people left in the deli were my boss and I. I remember I was stocking drinks in the cooler towards the back of the store when I heard the front door open so naturally I looked and it was a guy I had never seen before. And working at the same deli for 8 plus years you tend to remember people and so I figured he might have been from out of town. He had red hair and it almost looked like an afro which I thought was strange. He walks back towards me and he goes into the cooler and grabs a peach snapple and soon as he walked past me the smell hit me. So I motioned to my boss and pinched my nose and he and I had a brief chuckle before I started walking to the front to ring the guy up. I get to the counter and soon as I looked up at this guy I felt my stomach drop. His eyes were black and he had pale skin and this blank stare. It's hard to explain but I felt as if he was looking through me and not at me. I asked him if he needed a bag and I got no response he paid for the Snapple and walked outside of the deli and then stood at the front of the store. So we closed up the store at 7 and we started cleaning up and 7.30 comes around and I look and this guy is still standing at the front of the store leaning up against the glass. He was so strange that my boss thought he was staking out the place waiting for us to leave but technically he was a paying customer so we couldn't tell him to leave just for being weird. So we shut the lights off and we're walking out when my boss turns to the guy and says hey I don't mind you hanging out here but please don't lean on the glass. The guy turns to him and doesn't say a word he just smashes the Snapple bottle on the ground at my boss's feet. And my boss at the time was a big guy. I'm talking about 6 foot, 380 pounds and covered in tattoos. So my boss gets in his face and says what the F is wrong with you dude. Now you're going to clean that shit up. The guy stares back at him again not staying a word and the whole time I'm thinking to myself this guy is either insane or has the largest testicles on earth. Then after a few seconds he turns away and gets in his car and drives off. I go back inside and get a broom. And I swept it up and we called it a night. Wasn't the first time we had someone high come into the store. The next morning I woke up and put the news on and the first thing I see is that guy's face. Turns out the same night he stopped by our deli, he murdered and dismembered his neighbor right down the street from the deli. The cops caught him pulling up into his parents' driveway the next morning with the women's severed head in his trunk. To this day I wonder whether or not he committed the murder before or after he came to the deli. I don't remember seeing any blood on him but then again I wasn't really looking for any. I live in an odd little place in Appalachia that was supposedly carved out of the mountains by a meteor. There is a 360 degree view of mountains around me at all times. Well, when I was in middle school, I got really into mountain biking, it was the 90s don't ask, so, because I was so young and since my mom didn't want me to be on some random mountain path that didn't have anyone on it for months, she would only let me go on deep trail with the guy who owned the bike shop and was also a co-worker, as she was a teacher. Well, 
It had been months since I started doing weekly rides with the guy Joe was his name, and a few other guys he had rode with. We went up this place we called Lake Hill as it was the road to the city's water supply which was a lake-sized natural spring. We'd been riding for hours. I mean, like daybreak to probably an hour before dark. We just got to the point where we were going to turn around when we crest this hill and bam. There stands a dude. Wearing camo gear, a yellow raincoat, in the middle of summer, standing about 15 feet away from a four-wheeler, with a shotgun in his hand. Joe, who was the most athletic of us, was in front I think I had gotten behind him and there were two other guys behind me. When you're pedaling a mountain bike up a steepish hill you're not looking forward, you're looking down or at least at the ground. You're studying where your will is going so you don't run over anything that might ruin your momentum. So, when I ran into the back of Joe I was kinda pissed. I looked up sharply and saw Joe, positioning himself between me and the dude. The man said, nothing. Not one single word. Not a word of comfort or compassion for the fact we just ran up on him with a shotgun. This is the South, people are hospitable. You don't see two strangers in a deserted place not say, hello to one another. I swear, it might be the fact I've played this event over in my head dozens of times and want to read in it what I think was happening or this is really what happened. Guy, these mother f have just found me harvesting my pot. What if they tell the cops? Can I afford to take that chance? I don't know, there are a few of them. Shit, that one's a kid. Because I could see an edge of tension bleed out of his face when he looked at me. I swear it was him deciding to kill Joe, then deciding not to kill me. Joe, to his credit, positioned himself between the man and me the whole time. Eventually, the dude hopped on his four-wheeler, covered in plants, and rode away. I never will forget the taste of exhaustion and adrenaline as we came off that hill. Luckily in mountain bike riding the ups are the hard part. We were doing the fastest speed I still have ever done on a bike, while in the mountains. I'm actually feeling cold and nervous talking about this. It's one of those nights that I can never forget. I was dispatched to a call about an erratic driver but it sounded like the call was taken by mistake. There wasn't any description other than suspect operating vehicle erratically, so I figured it must have been for somebody else. When I got up to the area, though, there he was, the suspect himself, driving down the road as if nothing had happened. I pulled out after him, trying to get his attention with my sirens and lights, but he didn't budge, not at all until almost half a mile later when he finally moved over into the right lane, stopped on the shoulder facing me head on. He sat there in his car, completely still. I got out of my car with my flashlight and shone it on him. His expression was blank, like he didn't even see me there in front of his car. I didn't want to make any sudden movements in case this guy was dangerous, but at the same time, I felt like he wasn't going to do anything because he stopped himself. So, I took a few slow steps toward him while my other hand hitched over to where my firearm is kept, just behind the small of my back inside a cross-draw holster. He still made no movement whatsoever, so I took another step forward and then thought, this might be the only chance I get. I jumped into his vehicle through the open window, put one hand on his shoulder, and another on his head. I tried to pull him off the window, but it's like he was stuck like he was glued there. He didn't even try to resist or anything. Then, I saw it. This massive gash on the side of his chest, like something straight out of a horror movie. It was deep too, right down to the very bone. Lacerated flesh flapping in the wind against the jagged edges of exposed ribs, as if somebody had just hacked into him with an axe. It wasn't bleeding, though. In fact, the blood seemed coagulated. It made me think, is he not human at all? There were no other injuries anywhere else on his body either, so it didn't appear to be from some kind of accident. I left the guy sitting there because he was completely unresponsive, but I couldn't find any signs of blood. There were definitely marks on his body, though. They all pointed to the same thing. He had clearly been in some sort of hostile situation. <laughs> 
I just called this in as a hit and run, left the car where it was, and tried to follow it. I called in an ambulance to get him medical attention. When the ambulance showed up, they too were shocked by his state and surprised by the fact that he was not dead. Although in checking his vitals, his temperature was 70 degrees, and his blood flow seemed to not be really going much at all, meaning he had very low blood pressure, and his heartbeat was abnormally low. But he was still clearly alive enough to operate a vehicle. Talk about disturbing. It still really bothers me when thinking back. I mean, how often does this sort of thing happen? And seeing something like that, it really just sticks with you. It's very haunting. It was on a hot summer night that I was out in the dark woods with my neighbor, whom I'm pretty close with. He was like extended family, honestly. The fact that I didn't even know we were going until that night when I was sitting at home in front of my laptop playing video games. My neighbor came over to see me, and he asked me if I wanted to go camping with him and his family. It had been a while since we last did anything together, so of course, I said yes. It would have just given us an excuse not to go to school for a couple of days. This was in September, so school had just started back up, and the coldness of fall had not yet come, so it was perfect. The next day, his family and I gathered our camping gear. We're driving down a dark road with tall trees on the other side of it. It was getting dark quickly, so we had to turn the lights on, unfortunately, which means we would have had to set up in the dark. So we're driving for about an hour, but it felt like it took forever. My friend's dad turned left at an unmarked intersection where there wasn't even a sign saying that this was the right turn off the road. The road got bumpy and rocky as he drove over this very raw, unpaved road. That's when we came across a large clearing because all I could see around was trees and darkness. Where we stopped at this makeshift campground, I say that because there was no clear indicated spot to set up a tent, a spigot, a bathroom, or anything. This was truly camping just down the middle of nowhere, perfect. Now I need to say that it was pitch blackout and it had gotten really cold now that the sun had set, but we were also higher up in elevation. So we got everything set up quickly and decided we would huddle up in the tent together that my friend's father had set up for us. But I just had this feeling lingering within me that we weren't alone. Now my brain was playing tricks on me, so I decided to step out and get some fresh air. It was eerily quiet until I heard this screaming noise. My heart began pounding fast as if it knew what was coming. Then we heard a wrestling noise in the bushes, more screaming from the woods. I was so scared that my friend told me to come back into the tent. Now, not only could we all hear the noises, but then as I got back in the tent and we shined our light, we could see something moving outside the tent. This shape, my friend's dad got a flashlight shining at it. That's when this thing begins screaming and thrashing. Now we're all yelling, freaking out because we can see the shape of this thing more. It looked like an animal, but all we could see was this large shape, and it was terrifying. Looking from the silhouette, it looked like an upright deformed reindeer or something, and it had long claws. It was where we being pranked? I wasn't even sure. It screamed again in our direction, and we just prayed for it to leave. It walked around our tent, and we all kept our flashlights shining at it through the tent material, only revealing its silhouette. But one thing I noticed is it never came closer to the tent. It's like it was pissed that we set up camp here in its area. I get it, this probably sounds like some sort of amateur creepypasta, but tell it to my family, my friend's family, and me who have to deal with the memory of this thing. We stopped hearing it almost literally after we all pretty much urinated all over our sleeping bags out of terror. Surprisingly, none of us had any weapons on us. Somehow we all forgot. We got lucky that night but who knows what would have happened if it were to come back and possibly check out our tent. Now, of course, my friend's dad regrets that he didn't bring any weapons. He forgot. He normally always carries a pistol. I went home the next day, and we didn't get any sleep that night. What was designed to be a civil day trip turned into a quick overnight terror. 
I've not been able to go camping since. I don't think I ever will, you know. And I'm also not sure what this thing was or where it came out of. I haven't really sat down to try and research either. I don't really care. I just want to get rid of this memory. I crouched in the darkness, the cool desert sand beneath me as I adjusted the straps on my gear. Our mission was clear, extract a fellow Navy SEAL who had been held captive by terrorists in Iraq. It was a dangerous assignment, but we were trained for this. I glanced at my team, five highly skilled individuals ready to face any challenge that lay ahead. As the team leader, I felt the weight of responsibility on my shoulders. I double-checked our coordinates and briefed the team on the plan. We would parachute into the Iraqi desert, relying on our compass and the given coordinates to locate the secret house where our comrade was held. The night was pitch black as we jumped from the aircraft, each of us descending gracefully to the desert floor. Once on the ground, we regrouped and began our trek towards the target location. The silence of the desert was interrupted only by the occasional gust of wind. Suddenly, in the distance, a strange glow caught our attention. We paused, our senses heightened, and watched as the glow transformed into the figure of a maiden. Her luminous face seemed otherworldly, an ethereal presence in the barren desert. Confusion and disbelief washed over us as we tried to comprehend what we were witnessing. Before we could react, the mysterious figure launched herself at us with incredible speed and force. Instinct kicked in, and we swiftly raised our rifles, unleashing a barrage of bullets towards her. But our weapons seemed useless, as the bullets passed through her without causing any harm. Fear consumed us, and we turned and ran, our hearts pounding in our chests. We sprinted through the desert, desperate to put distance between us and this inexplicable threat. After what felt like an eternity, we dared to glance back, only to find that the maiden had vanished into thin air. Relief washed over us, but unease lingered in the back of our minds. We took a moment to catch our breath and collect our thoughts. We made a silent pact to never speak of what we had witnessed in that desert. It was beyond our comprehension, beyond our understanding. Determined to complete our mission, we continued our journey towards the secret house. We reached our destination and skillfully infiltrated the terrorist stronghold, eliminating any resistance along the way. Finally, we found our fellow Navy SEAL, battered but alive. With a mixture of relief and pride, we freed him from his captors. As we extracted our comrade and made our way back to safety, we remained silent about the supernatural encounter in the desert. It was an unspoken agreement that this was something best left unexplored and unexplained. We had seen things that defied logic and reason, but it did not deter us from our duty. The encounter only lasted a few seconds but it was one of those what the f am I sharing airspace with moments. He was in the US Navy flying P-3S, sub-hunters, back in the 80s and was on one of his many flights jumping from one island to another way out in the Pacific. At one point he was on another one of his long hauls somewhere over the ocean hundreds of miles away from anything. At around one or so his co-pilot spotted some kind of aircraft coming from the right side well ahead of them at a much lower altitude. It didn't have any position lights on or anti-collision lights, just a few night formation light strips. They could only see a bit of moonlight reflecting off it but could tell it was something somewhat smallish, as in not a bomber, sleek, and definitely not AB2. Going by how it looks after the fact. This debuted in 97 or F-117 or any other plane he recognized. But it looked like it would have been a stealth fighter or attack plane for sure. My dad flashed his landing lights to basically say hi, we're flying here. Defuke you doing? At this point the other plane turned off its green nighttime navigation lights and visibly picked up its pace. They got one last look at its moonlit features before it went under their nose. There was no trace of it after that. They flew the rest of the trip assuming they were being monitored very closely. Nothing ended up happening and they didn't tell anyone, or so he tells me.
If anything else did happen he probably isn't allowed to say. He was 100% positive it was military but he has no idea what. Whatever it was, he clearly wasn't meant to see it. And he was flying right above it. Hundreds of miles away from civilization and thousands away from the mainland. Edit, and I should also clarify. The B-2 obviously wasn't out at the time this happened, but it was when he told me this. Knowing how it looked after the fact he was sure it wasn't a B-2. I had horses out in the pasture. My two brothers my sister and I think one of the boys friends went out to see the horses. We had 80 acres which butted up to logging property and wilderness. The river was across the dirt road from our property. We went out all the time in the dark it didn't bother us at all. I rode my horse all over the hills and was never afraid. Well anyway, we went out to find the horses and I had a flashlight I was shining in the field looking for them. I had it at chest height sweeping the field. When I shone it back across the flat part of the field towards the river I saw two orange glowing eyes looking at me. I didn't hear anything at all. It didn't move. There are no trees in that part of the field and whatever it was, was taller than me. I have never been so afraid in my life. All the hair stood up on my body and I felt weak. Never have I felt that way and I have been in the woods all my life. I knew whatever it was, I was not supposed to be there. As I watched the strange thing was it closed its left eye and turned its head to the right. This was strange to me because I thought an animal would just turn its head out of the light and that would mean it's right I would leave you first. Anyway, I still did not hear anything as I turned around and started running for the house. I tried to get everyone in but they would not come all the way into the house. I on the other hand did not go out at night again for a long time. Another time when we were hunting in say 2004 around Green Peter, I was walking behind my husband and in the mud I saw a track. I stopped and looked at it and looked again. I was kind of embarrassed to say anything but I know in my heart it was a Bigfoot track. It had all the toes and the big toe was prominent, the back was kind of messed up because it was on a slope, but I know it was one. I wish I would have taken a picture of it. I wish I had not been embarrassed to say anything. My husband's family was camping in a houseboat on Lake Shasta when he was young. Him and his grandpa got up early to fish and they looked up on a hill in a clear cut and saw a black thing stand up and walk across the clear cut. Both my husband and his grandpa recall it. I don't know the year but it must have been about 26 years ago. His grandpa told me the story and swears it was not a bear. Well I hope I see another one. I hope it is not up close but I want to prove to myself that it is real. A friend of mine has been a fisherman for a long time. Once he was off the Grand Banks late at night, piloting a 50 feet trawler while the rest of the crew slept. He was alone in the crow's nest upper wheelhouse. Nursing a bowl of weed when he caught a glimpse of what he said was a large black metal object several dozen yards off his starboard bow. He shot a glance just soon enough to see something large disappear beneath the waves, but he didn't know precisely how large or how far it was due to poor visibility. He looked at his radar and sonar but saw nothing. Moments later, a massive column of winged black steel burst forth from the sea roughly 50 yards off his port. He said he soon realized he was looking at the tower of a Trident nuclear submarine. He attempted to hail the sub several times to no avail. After a few minutes, it slipped beneath the surface and vanished without leaving a trace on his radar or sonar. This happened a while ago but at the time I really didn't know what it was. I was about 14 years old. My mom had a cleaning business at the time. We cleaned many ranger stations in the local area but Ripplebrook was one of our longest lasting accounts that needed to be cleaned twice a week, most of the time being after 5 p.m., after work hours. So I spent a lot of time up there as a young kid. My job was emptying out the trash cans and taking the trash from the buildings to the dumpsters, one of the dumpsters being towards the back of the complex next to the pond. This is where I heard the screech. 
It sounded like a woman screaming, but more animalistic sounding, and it was close. It scared the hell out of me. Even more so when I realized there could not be anyone else up there. I ran like hell back to one of the buildings where my father was. I started telling him what I had just heard. He was an avid hunter so I figured he would know what it was after telling him. He really didn't have a clue. We just dismissed it as a mountain lion. I never thought a mountain lion could sound like that. Anyways, I've heard of many sightings around that area as a kid. I never again have heard anything like that sound that night but working there at the ranger station there were a lot of stories that we heard of people seeing a 9 foot tall grizzly bear at Olali Lake standing up eating out of the dumpster at night time. There are no grizzlies in Oregon claimed the forest ranger. I spent an entire year in my cousin's finca in Colombia. It's very deep into the mountains and 90% of his land is covered in forest. That whole year was basically one massive nope. I can say that at least every other day something completely crazy would happen. One of the things I remember the most was La Ronda. One day I was picking some tomatoes when suddenly the whole mountain goes silent. Not a single animal made a sound. Note that this is Colombia and there are many birds there. Anyway, I stop what I'm doing and listen closely because what the f. That's when every critter imaginable starts coming out of every hole and every crack and starts hauling ass uphill. Massive tarantulas, huge cockroaches, beetles, mice, rats, etc. Anything that crawled on land, basically. Then the dogs started barking and whimpering. That's when my cousin yelled La Ronda, La Ronda. Which basically means the round, the round. He tells me to get inside the house. He gets this bag out with some sort of poison and starts pouring it outside the house. I then hear what sounds like running water coming uphill from the trees. I looked outside and saw what was probably millions of ants crawling up the mountain and eating every levinth thing in their path. It was absolutely terrifying. I couldn't see the ground because there were so many ants. Luckily, the poison worked and they crawled around the house. My cousin was happy, however, because the ants killed whatever pests were around. I'm in the Navy and about 12 years ago I was standing watch in a submarine engine room. We were underway, can't for the life of me remember where to, from, or just making circles. It was the mid-watch and I sat down to catch up on some logs. That's when I heard a woman's voice and felt the hairs on my neck stand straight up. No women on subs then, I got up, looked around and found the other watches shooting the shit or doing their daily tasks. I thought maybe I had dozed off and dreamt it. I sat back down and heard it again, and it sounded like it was coming from outside the hatch I was sitting under. I said f this shit out loud and went to just be around the other guys on watch. I still get chills thinking about it, even now. My husband, now ex, and I were hiking cross country in Oregon, mostly following a creek bed that didn't seem to be used much, if at all, by other hikers. When we came around a bend in the creek, we saw something that seemed quite tall. Maybe as tall as a moose, but not a moose. At first I thought it was a bear standing up, but it was moving away from us. Going in the same direction as us, across a rocky creek meadow that had opened up suddenly and that also had several boulders strewn about. It looked over its shoulder briefly, during one of its strides. Like a nonchalant or natural action, not a craning of the neck or anything, and continued on. It was almost like its head automatically turned slightly in the direction of the back swinging arm. It seemed I could make out arms swinging, but I admit my mind was whirling. It was not a moose. The hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Face was flat. There was no rack or anything animal looking about it. It then turned away from the creek bed and went up the mountainside. Although I got the impression that this was not a last-minute, panic decision because of us. Just that it was continuing on its original planned course. Very leisurely looking. It mostly went straight up, very easily and just barely cutting across the natural slope. Either this thing had been right in front of us for a while, moving along the same creek bed, or we caught it just having come off the mountain or just having started to move off at that point. It seemed more like it had been ahead of us the whole time, which was a creepy feeling. Anyway, I had not been looking for any footprints, I'm a rock hunter, and had no belief or interest in Bigfoot at that time. Details of location and terrain are few, but I have seen elk, moose, buffalo, and grizzly bear in various other treks. This seemed, at first glance and without much to use for scale, to be much larger than any of those and appeared to be on two legs, taller than it was long or wide. I only got glimpses of it as it went around boulders, trees, etc., and I did not attempt to get closer. We immediately headed back the way we came and spent one uneasy night in the wilderness before getting back to our car, probably about a six-hour hike in. I do know I forced my husband to put as much distance as possible between us and the thing that night. I even forced us to go on in the dark using flashlights, as slow going as it was, jumping at every cracking tree limb and every rustle of a bush. That's it except for the one other thing I did notice before I turned and scurried away, practically knocking over my husband and my desire to run. I am in the army and while training in Henfels, Germany. Our platoon was sitting on a screen line conducting an area reconnaissance mission. During the night the guy on guard heard someone bang three times on the left side of the Bradley, which doesn't make sense because you would need another large metal object to make such a noise. Less than five seconds later he heard the same three knocks on top of the turret. A few seconds pass and a high-pitched tone comes through the headset with three knocks on the back door of the Bradley along with someone screaming hey let me in. This wakes me and one other up and we open the door thinking it's someone in our platoon who was trying to get in touch with us. There was only complete darkness, we waited about 30 seconds, geared up and checked a 50 meters semi-circle around our Bradley finding nothing. We get back inside and every fault light in the turret is on with some blinking, they don't blink, ever. The radios were also completely dead. We restarted the turret and everything worked fine called over the net to see if anyone was near our area and no one was. Next day we asked the OCs, essentially referees, and no one else was out the night prior. Shortly after, we discovered an old tank half buried and rusted out near our position. We came to the conclusion that it must have been ghost Nazis. This happened about six months ago. Bit of background, I've grown up on boats and beaches. Family have always had a boat and I have always fished. However this story didn't happen when I was out in the ocean, I was at a friend's house just after the moon had risen. It was a fairly bright night as I was sitting with a group of friends on a beach house deck. Anyway none of us had actually taken any drugs or started drinking yet, we had just gotten back to the house. I remember looking out at the view of the beach and the moon. The bright moon was shining a fairly wide path from just below it across the water and onto the beach but all the other water was dark. You can imagine it like this. Although you could see the occasional wave break as the white wash caught some light. Anyway I noticed a red light going from left to right, this is strange because a starboard, green, light should have been showing on that side of any boat, at a cracking pace. Like it looked like some serious type of speedboat flying. I pointed this out to my friends and a few of us noted how quick and smooth this boat was flying across the bay. 
It eventually moved near the light of the moon and as we all watched it fly past it was literally just a red light. Like a giant red ball. As soon as it hit the other side of the moonlight it disappeared. I kind of assumed it was a drone but it was seriously quick, it disappeared and was a long way out skimming what looked very close to the water on a surf beach. If anyone actually got this far, thanks for reading. The names in the following account are changed to avoid criminal prosecution. Both I and the man who told me of the incident are holders of now inactive top secret clearances issued by Department of the Navy Central Adjudication Facility. I don't know if the details of the incident are still classified. This is why I've changed the names. I apologize in advance for the cryptic nature of the story. However, I have known this man, I'll call him Jim, and served in combat with him for many years. I have and will stake my life on his integrity. People have been misled to believe that these are animals so it's okay to kill them. Some time ago Jim was sent on a tad temporary additional duty to a unit in Alaska. Most of the time there was spent on field daying at this or that location sitting around and passing scuttlebutt, rumors, about the nature of their purpose there. The official title is simply security force training was conducted on target acquisition field navigation and winter survival alert drills were called almost daily. Jim and his platoon responded to the alert as always. Only this time the truck they had boarded started pulling out. He said they rode from 15 to 20 minutes to get out there in the middle of a huge valley at which point they were told to follow an officer and a civilian guide. He and the others walked quickly at first for about a mile and then were told to be quiet. They're also told to check their weapons, standard M16s of 4s and one guy had an M40 and a 762 by 51 mm bolt action rifle. They were told they were there to kill an animal that was a threat to the compound and local residences. Jim told me that he had been on edge until that point because he didn't know what they were up against but that a hunt for a bear or something was a relief. They spread out in a skirmish line and moved forward slowly and quietly with the guide about 20 yards in front of them. They had advanced that way about 150 yards when the guide stopped. They were just inside a tree line on the edge of a large meadow. As the line got to the guide, Jim said he saw what looked like a dark brown bear about another 50 yards into the meadow. The officer pointed to the bear and indicated that there was their target at that point he and the others cycled the bolts on the rifles and took aim. That's when the bear stood up, only it wasn't a bear. He said it was about 6 feet tall with wide flat shoulders not the sloping shoulders of a bear and the legs were too long to be a bear. Its head was humped and it had a long and it had long arms it turned its head and looked at them. No one fired a shot. The thing grabbed something off the ground and started running away. That's when he saw the second one, smaller, in his words about maybe four or five feet tall following the big one. They were quick too. The officer in charge hollered shoot and we opened fire. The first to go down was a smaller one. The big one stopped while still under fire and went back to the small one, dropped to a knee, and let out what Jim described as the cry of a mother over her dying child. I saw the hair on his arm stand up when he said I kid you not. The rest of the story was told to me with his head down unable to look me in the eyes. We stopped firing when the mother cried out, but the officer ordered us to kill it, so we resumed fire. The mother refused to leave the down child and took what he said was around 90 to 100 more rounds and she finally went down. No one moved forward but they stopped firing and reloaded. He said, we held our position for, I don't know, about 10 or so more minutes. That's when the officer started to walk toward it. The guy told him to stay there, wait, and give us some time to be sure it was dead. About an hour passed with no one talking he said we couldn't even look at each other. My gut was churning the whole time and I wanted to throw up. Finally, the guide and the officer walked to the bodies and confirmed the kill. The rest of the platoon were not allowed to view the bodies but were ordered back to the truck. On the way back to the compound he saw other military vehicles heading toward the site but they weren't from his compound. He said, I don't know where they came from. 
I mean we were the only military in the area. Upon returning to the compound he and the rest of the platoon were debriefed one by one and told not to talk to anyone about the mission under threat of a life sentence in Leavenworth. Both Jim and I are retired and both our wives have passed so we don't have much to lose. It took a couple of shots of Jack, Daniels, and some other war stories to get to this one but I swear every word is true. Jim doesn't lie and neither do one and one will have words with any man who says this didn't happen. People need to know these are not animals. They are just as human as you or me I don't know how they came to be and I don't care, I just want people to know. I woke up to the sound of footsteps outside my bedroom door. My heart was pounding as I tried to listen carefully. The footsteps seemed to be getting closer. I was paralyzed with fear, wondering who could be walking around my house at this time of night. I quietly slipped out of bed and peered through my bedroom door, trying to catch a glimpse of whoever or whatever was walking around my house. But the darkness was too thick, and I couldn't see anything. Suddenly I heard a loud creaking noise, and I realized that someone was opening the door to my bedroom. I didn't know what to do. Should I run or confront the person? But as the door opened, I saw nobody there. The hairs on the back of my neck stood up, and my heart was racing even faster than before. I slowly walked towards the door, trying to be as quiet as possible. My hands were shaking, and my mind was racing with fear and confusion. Was this a dream or was someone really in my house? As I stepped out of my room, I could hear a strange noise, like a soft whisper coming from the darkness. It sounded like someone was breathing heavily, right outside my door. My heart was pounding so hard that I couldn't think straight. I stumbled backwards and ended up falling down the stairs. I felt myself tumbling downwards, seemingly in slow motion, until I hit the bottom with a loud thud. I looked up to see a shadowy figure standing over me, and my heart stopped. I couldn't move or scream. The figure slowly started to take shape, revealing itself to be a person, but their face was completely covered. I couldn't see who it was, but I knew I was in danger. I tried to crawl away, but the figure caught up to me and reached out, grabbing me by the hair. I screamed in terror, but no sound came out. I felt like I was drowning in my own fear as the figure slowly dragged me towards my bedroom. That was the last thing I remembered before waking up in the hospital. The doctors told me that I had suffered a concussion, but I couldn't help thinking about who or what had come into my house that night. The memory of those footsteps, the whispers in the darkness, and the figure that had haunted my nightmares ever since has never left me. To this day, I still wonder what could be lurking in the shadows of my home, waiting to strike again. I'm from Victoria, Australia, and an avid hiker and camper. I feel most at home in the bush and in the mountains with my boys practicing bushcraft and survival. It's the best form of therapy. I have a deep respect for nature and believe we are not being told and taught what is really out there. My story goes back to the year 1998 when I was 18 at the time, in Gippsland, Victoria. This was dairy country with beautiful rolling green hills. This night I and my friend had gone to the town of Mo to spend some time at a nightclub. The club closed around 2 a.m. so we decided to head back to my hometown of Yerrigan which is only about a 25-minute drive. As we got on the Princess Freeway to head back to home the fog really set in. It was very thick. We had music playing and talking away about our night out, driving very slowly. Just before getting to the town of Trafalgar, there is the Trafalgar Cemetery which is just outside of the town on the left side of the highway. As we came along the road and to a slight bend which was to the left all of a sudden something jumped into the middle of the road. The hairs on the back of my neck are standing up. This thing was huge and I mean big. I've never seen anything like this in my life. We have no animals this big in Australia, so I've thought until this night. My friend Adam was driving. He slammed on his brakes. This creature was on all fours but it wasn't. It was hard to describe. 
It just stopped and stared at us and this thing is only 25 to 30 feet away from us, in the open and heavy fog. It was covered in hair, longer on the forearms and the legs, grey to black, silvery in the headlights. The eyes were glowing red and big. The hands, feet, and arms were massive and very long, thick, and muscular. It just sat there in a squat position. The head and face resembled a wolf, but the snout was shorter and more pushed in. The height of this thing to its head had to be at least 5 to 6 feet off the ground and this thing is squatting, so try to picture this thing if it stood up. The shoulders had to have been 3 to 4 feet wide. It felt like a good minute of looking at each other but it was probably closer to 10 to 15 seconds. My face was up against the windshield trying to figure out what I'm looking at. My friend Adam burst into tears instantly from fear. Being cold outside you can see this thing taking massive inhales and exhales, and the chest moving in and out. It moved in a way like it didn't know whether to attack or flee. It was terrifying to look at. Then, all of a sudden, its body shifted to its left and the amount of power it generated to leap itself off was the most impressive thing I have ever seen. For such a massive animal to spring itself off and bang it was gone in one bound. This is on a three-lane highway. It was in the middle. It cleared the road in one leap. I don't know how long but it felt like a long time in silence without him crying. A part of me didn't want it to leave. This hasn't stopped me from going into the wild remote bush solo. Well about three years ago I went out with a friend on his yacht off the coast of Newfoundland. It was around maybe 2 or 3 in the morning and early fall, so there was a bit of fog, nothing too serious. We were just going out for a late night cruise to relax and see if we could find any cool fish and verts etc near the surface. After an hour or so of uneventful yachting we decided to call it a night and turn around. As we started heading back to shore, behind us we noticed a dim red light in the distant fog. We slowed down to watch it. It was slowly blinking, which stopped us from noticing that it was creeping towards us. We went inside to grab my friend's camera and when we came back it seriously closer and moving quicker too. We could now hear the hull groaning as if it was under pretty heavy tension. We took a picture, with flash, and the light stopped blinking. The ship started to speed up so my friend got on the radio, not too familiar with how the system works, so fill in the blanks here experts and started trying to find a wavelength they were on so he could tell them to slow down and go around us. When we came out of the cabin, it was basically right upon us. Like less than 10 feet away, this huge rusty ship with a red light on the nose. Next thing we know, it's hours later and we're waking up to sunrise. The yacht had been drifting freely for hours with the engine still off. Our cameras were gone, as was my cell phone, my friend's was a shitty cameraless phone. We reported it to the police, but they laughed us off as two young guys who got too drunk and couldn't handle ourselves out there. We weren't drinking though, so we know something happened. This story is my husband's and occurred in the 1970s. He was erecting fences with a maiden rural Springbrook which is in the Gold Coast hinterland about 70 kilometers south of Brisbane, Queensland, Australia. There's a very hilly region with dense rainforest. They were cutting a fence line when they smelled a horrible stench and heard a noise that sounded like a combination of a pig grunting and a dog growling about 20 meters away. They couldn't see anything due to the dense bush. My husband turned to his mate, who was a big man, to find him already running full speed in the opposite direction. He then took off after him. They returned to the job two days later after stopping at the forest ranger station on the way to ask him if there had been any reports of wild boars in the area. The ranger laughed and said it was possible and then told them that part of his job was to keep the walking and hiking trails clear of weeds and brush. He'd walk the trails with a machete looking just ahead of him at his feet and clearing any unwanted vegetation when he smelled a stench and the hairs on the back of his neck stood up. Looking up he saw a bipedal brown hairy creature staring at him about 13 meters ahead. 
He froze and stared at it until it turned and disappeared into the thick scrub. My husband and his mate continued on to the fence job but did not hear, smell, or see anything again. A few years later they were working in a similar landscape near the location of the previous encounter. They had heard from several local farmers who had heard similar noises to what they had heard previously and who had seen a hairy bipedal creature run into their paddocks, grab a sheep or a calf, and then run back into the dense forest. There are Yowie researchers who have had similar encounters and have taken thermal images of a large bipedal creature. We know they exist. When we get the chance my father and a few of his friends go camping up in Baxter State Park in Maine. For anyone who doesn't know, it's a pretty secluded section of the state and pretty much everything surrounding the park grounds is also wilderness. While up there we took a hike to some fishing ponds buried deep in the woods. The trails were mostly overgrown, and the destination was a place that you really had to be in the know to find it. My dad's friend who was accompanying is a native Mainer and knows lots of secret fishing spots like that. Needless to say not too many people walk those trails, and the closest town is hours and hours away. Well anyways, my dad's friend starts talking about this old store in the woods he remembered from his childhood. He said fishermen in the area knew about it and you could get bait and ice and few other minor conveniences. He said he hadn't been there since childhood but faintly remembered it being somewhere near where we were. I remember thinking it was bullshit, just a made-up story, my dad's friend is a charming guy but he's known to tell some tall tales. Considering how far out in the wilderness we were I thought it was absolutely ludicrous for any store or any other human for that matter to be nearby. I mean the closest road you could take a car on was about two hours from where we were on the trail. But sure enough, about 45 minutes later we come to this pond and the trail forks. My dad's friend just says this is it, this is the path to the store. I remember it. So he starts walking down one of the paths, which extended a good ways, about half a mile, around the perimeter of the pond. We get to a clearing in the woods and it just opens up into this huge field with about 10 of what appeared to be houses slash living compounds. It slightly reminded me of that town specter from Big Fish. I was absolutely shocked to see any trace of humanity. If you know the area of Maine I'm talking about, you would be too. The place was completely empty, but none of the buildings looked run down. The whole property was definitely maintained. We started to walk around, and after a couple minutes this really old guy with a thick Maine accent came out of one of the houses, and my dad's friend went up to talk to him. Turns out the store was real, and we bought some ice and left. I half expected to hear the Twilight Zone theme when I saw this place. Not really creepy but very mysterious. I'm still shocked that such a strange random place like this exists in the world, and I still have so many unanswered questions to this day. Why so far out in the middle of nowhere? What were all the other buildings for? Where was everyone else? How does this one guy live two hours from the closest road and survive let alone get any business? I've been fishing in Alaska for the last six summers with my dad. Never seen anything unexplainable, but have been creeped out a few times. A lot of it comes from lack of sleep since we are out there for up to 60 hours at a time with no more than four hours between every time we put the net out. Anyway, here's a few things, I was on deck by myself late at night and a tree wrapped in ball kelp got pulled on, looked like some kind of giant squid. We've had a 600 pound shark caught in our net, that was scary. Caught two porpoises at once, they had already drowned when we got to them. Not so much creepy as it was startling, then it was just sad. Found two oil drum sized pieces of styrofoam about 300 yards away from each other. We figured they were tsunami debris from the one that hit Japan in 2011, interesting that they would stay so close together for so far. Found an acoustic guitar in its case floating near a beach, the strings had rusted away but the body was in good shape. Really, the weirdest things are in my own head, I'll have waking dreams where I can't move or something very dangerous is happening. 
I sometimes wake up completely disoriented and nervous, which makes working hard. I should probably stop fishing. Anyway, today in the car on the way to the store I was looking at the sky. It was about 7 or 8 at night and I saw this strange thing in the sky. It had huge wings like a bat, it was like a dark brown color. There were no feathers at all. The body was black, with short or no hair. It had a very slim body and a small tail. The thing about this bat creature was its size. It was bigger than a hawk. And in my town, we always see hawks so I'm used to seeing them. I'm also used to seeing bats. This creature flapped its wings slowly but the bats here usually flap their wings fast? That's the strange part for me. I could have sworn it was pterodactyl. No one believes me. I just need to know what the hell I saw. Please help. To give you some context, in 2021 I got my first job as an order picker in a food processing company. Being a very unsocial person, I managed to negotiate with my boss to work with a small night shift, 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. It's quite ridiculous, because there's nothing good about being an order picker when you compare it with other jobs, but for me it was heaven, I could work on my own without having to interact with other people. One evening, my father dropped me off in front of the company at 9 p.m. and left, he couldn't take me any later because he was too tired to drive any later that night. So I sit down on the ground next to the building and start lighting up a cigarette and hanging out on my phone. A few minutes later a man emerges from the darkness, well-dressed and well-groomed and carrying a rucksack, he walks over to sit on the ground next to me. At the time, he looked like an ordinary employee, so I thought he must have forgotten a file and come back to get it. But the strange thing was that the building was still open, so the man could have gone straight in to get his papers. When I remembered, I was really scared and wondered what this man wanted and why he was sitting so close to me. Being paranoid by nature, I imagined all sorts of creepy things he could do to attack me, but fortunately, he didn't do anything. He just sat there and didn't move an inch, as if he'd become a statue. After several minutes of silence during which I stressed and he did literally nothing, it was 9.50 p.m. So I entered the building, and the man did the same. I was even more worried, but then I remembered that the building had security cameras and that reassured me, after all, why would he attack me in the building which is secured by cameras when, outside, there were none. I made my way to the changing rooms to change into my prep outfit and saw that he'd taken a different one that led to the offices. This reassured me a little, as it confirmed my theory that he was just an employee. Throughout my evening at work, I thought about this man and couldn't stop wondering why he had waited on the floor with me. One of the most likely scenarios I thought of was that he probably thought the door was closed and that I was waiting to be let in and that by instinct he just sat down and waited with me without saying anything. For most of my shift, I was alone in my area and continued to work, except that at one point I heard a man coughing and turning around, I saw him. The man stood there, straight as an eye, staring at me. When I noticed he was staring at me, I jumped up and asked, can I help you? But the man said nothing and continued to stare at me blankly. After about two minutes, which seemed like hours, he walked towards me. My instincts were screaming at me to run away from this man, but I couldn't, I was stunned, and when he was less than two meters away, he put his hand in his pocket. I thought he was going to pull out a knife or something and stab me, but instead he pulled out a pack of cigarettes, still intact, handed them to me and walked out. It was the same brand as the one I'd been smoking, but it didn't belong to me, for the simple reason that I buy my cigarette packs individually, and once this one is empty, I go and buy another, but I never buy several packs at the same time. What's more, he could never have known what brand it was, since I didn't take my pack out in front of him. After that, I never saw him again. I moved to another area that evening to talk to other colleagues, but they were dubious about my story. I also tried to tell my superiors, but they didn't believe me either, 
because you need an access card to enter the building and, according to them, if this stranger was able to get in, he probably had one. The problem was that I was the one who opened the door, and the man simply walked through before it closed. Nevertheless, I continued to work there until the end of my contract, but I still don't know who this man is or what he wanted from me. Why did he sit so still next to me that night? Why did he follow me into an employee area? Why did he watch me for so long without saying a word? And why did he give me that unopened pack of cigarettes? My dad spent years at sea and has many stories from his time on tanker ships as an engineer. One time the ship was being slowed down by something they couldn't explain, mechanically fine, turns out they had a large dead whale wrapped around the bow of the ship slowing them down. But the creepiest story was a simple one, the crew was shark fishing off the bank of a smaller tanker ship, basically attaching meat chunks to hooks and throwing them off the back to trawl in the ocean. Southeast Asia slash Australia area. My dad for fun made up this large, steel alloy. Described it as being incredibly durable, hooked to use. They attach a large chunk of meat to it and throw it off the back. A while later they haul it back in, only to find the meat is gone and the hook is bent completely straight. There was nothing it could have snagged on in the deep ocean as the boat was driving through. My dad and the crew were sufficiently unnerved, to think that something large down there could bend a large hook like that. <laughs>